0: Welcome to Tell Me a Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm your host, Richard Dugan, and I thank you so much for joining us here on the program. As As we uh, get get set set to come your way on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times. We uh, hope that you will uh, stay with us on those uh, times and days when we stream at richarddugan.com. Or you can go to the podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations. And a lot of folks, they are reposting many of our interviews. They're downloading some of them and reposting them. And hey, I can't thank you enough. We are also linked to our guests' websites. So we're going to ask you to stay with us. We'll give you the website here shortly so that you can continue your educational process, your evolutionary process as well. And we thank you for being with us here on the program. We also uh, encourage you, if you are inclined to do so, and uh, you like what we're doing, you'd like to be a part of it, uh, we would love to have you uh, support us financially. Uh, That's why we have PayPal and Patreon accounts for your security as well as ours. And we also encourage you to participate in the 2020s. It's the decade of perfect vision. We want you to spend time going within. Finding that still, small, peaceful place that uh, you can uh, 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 basically get the support, the encouragement, get the information, the intuition, your intuition, uh, your insight into the world from your perspective is extremely important for you. So spend that time, whether it's sitting in nature for only has to be you can do it for five minutes. Just take a couple of minutes, listen to the birds, if that's what it takes, and so on and so forth. We really, really support that. We hope that you will do the same, and uh, thank you so much for participating in 2020, or 2020s, the decade of perfect vision. Our program today has started about the way that a lot of things are going on in the world uh, through, I, I could call it discourse, Um, maybe a little confusion, maybe uh, uh, some haphazard stuff, uh, tight schedules, those kinds of things. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in relation to the power of discord. I didn't realize there was power in discord and why the ups and downs of relationships are the secret to building intimacy, reliance, and trust with our very special guest, co-author of the book, along with Ed uh, tronic we have Claudia gold and Claudia thank you so much for joining us on the program today.
1: Thank you so much for having me
0: this is uh, I think going to be a very interesting program because I think that a lot of folks are uh, really um, sort of at their wits end I mean if you want to talk about discord yeah uh, and it's it's hard uh, I, I think of the phrase. I think of the phrase from George Bush Senior during some press conference. He said something about, "It's it's really hard. It's just hard." Well, it's hard to get through some of this stuff, isn't it? And yeah. come out the other end sane. Um, first of all, uh, how and or why uh, did this concept? elicit this kind of, um, shall we say, response uh, through this work?
1: Well, you know, I think that the origins of the concepts really come from research with babies, Dr. Tronick's research with babies and my clinical experience. But the strange thing is that the book went into production in uh, February. So we wrote the book before any of this happened. Um, you're saying it's prophetic prophetic yes And, and it it does seem to be that the further we get into it the more useful the book becomes because um at the beginning the book came out right when we were in this period of massive disorganization and confusion and it was also uh you know coincided with the murder of george floyd and and our whole world kind of turned inside out upside down um and now we can take a little bit of distance from it. Cause even though we're still in it, we've been in it long enough that we can actually think about it. Um, and I think in that sense, we can really apply the lessons of the book, which is looking at babies and how we de- develop in healthy ways um, in relationships with other people by working through moment to moment messiness and mismatch to finding moments of connection. So like, you know, like you and me just had this, we never met each other and we had this kind of messy start to the show. And now I feel like I'm more connected to you because we went through that. And now we're having this, you know, large scale discord. So really the, the whole upheaval in our world is an opportunity if we can maintain that focus on connection and, and reconnection of, of leading us to new growth and healing of our world and our our society. So are are
0: you saying we had a moment?
1: (laughs) We had a moment. We're in a moment. We're having lots of moments.
0: I like it. Oh, you and me. Yes. Yes, you and me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's funny because um, I'm a very optimistic person overall. Do I have my downs? Sure. And we all do, right? We all do. No matter how optimistic you are. Um I I jokingly say that uh I, I'm the type of person the glass is half full. Mm-hmm. Uh I just want to know what it's filled with, that's all. But <laughs> but um this aspect of discord in every aspect of our lives. I've been through a divorce. I've had financial challenges over the years. Uh, I was bullied in school, grade school specifically. Uh, I had at one radio station back in Phoenix, Arizona, a horrible boss who, when he hired me, he treated me as if I was his best friend. And three weeks later, he treated me as if I had just killed his best friend. Um, But we all have, and this is something I've said before on this program, we all have the same emotions, but we don't all have the same stories. How do you translate to someone the concepts of the power of discord? How do you get through the story, their story, without, I don't know if the right word is alienating them or... Uh, maybe making them feel as though their story, the story, I don't really care about your story. It's the emotions you're going through kind of thing. <clears throat> um, where, where, do we, where do we start in terms of teaching people that there actually is power in this? And then we'll talk about what kind of power it is, how, we've, how you've determined that there's actually power in discord as opposed to the energy of uh, frustration and, and anger and or whatever the other agitative emotions are.
1: Well, first of all, I love the title of your program because in my work all along as a pediatrician, I've used that expression of needing to listen to the story. So in the model of the medical model, often people are, you know put into categories and then given treatments rather than taking the time to listen to the story. So the way that connects with the power of discord is that when you listen to someone's story, It's their story and you're just trying to figure it out by listening to them. So you're going to have moments where you don't understand it and you misunderstand it and you don't connect. And it's when you listen to someone's story um, in an effort to help them feel understood, but you don't always understand. And when you get through the moment of discord, then you have a greater sense of closeness with the other person. So so I think that's how the discord and the storytelling fit together.
0: We're talking with Claudia Gold. We're talking about the power of discord. And let's talk about the power of discord. What is it? I mean, uh, you know, we talk about the power of love. And most people sort of understand what that means, right? But it seems kind of odd. And yet I'm hearing this more and more about many of these different... um, what attitudes if you will that there's power in these different divergent attitudes um, Can can we talk a little bit about what is what is that power?
1: Um, well, that's really how we grow um, The power is that it's the, the the moving through the mismatch to repair that provides the energy That allows us to grow and change so if we expect everything always to be smooth and there never to be any conflict then we remain kind of stuck in an anxious state or even perhaps a hopeless kind of state. Whereas what we learned from the still face research with babies is that when babies um, have multiple moments of working through a mismatch to connect that they have this kind of core sense of hopefulness. Um, so so that's, it's really literally the repair provides the fuel for growth and change. And so without the discord, you don't have the repair and you don't grow.
0: It sounds an awful lot like one of my other guests said to me, and I thought this was at first bizarre, the way they phrased this. And then I started thinking more about it and I realized, oh, that makes sense. That um, sociopaths and psychopaths and narcissists actually have a lot to teach us. Now, do we want to be those things? Probably not. I'd like to be a little bit more, I'd like to be a little more humble. I'm good at what I do, but I'm not going to go out there and say, I'm one of the best and you should use my work, my services and, you know, and everybody else's garbage and no. Um, And I didn't get here on my own. I, I am here on the shoulders gently on the shoulders of thousands of people that have brought me through 40 plus years in this business, let alone the 60 years of my life that I've, I've lived thus far. So when he started talking, this guy started talking about that, similar to what you're saying about discord, it makes a lot of sense that, that granted, we don't always like it, Primarily, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Claudia, we don't like change and discord. Often, is about change. It's part of it, right? Right, right.
1: Well, change. And
0: yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. I think
1: uh, change can make us anxious, particularly if we don't have a lot of experience of going through change and getting to the other side. Um, so, uh, so we sort of cling to things. Uh, being the same because we we don't trust. Trust is another key piece of this. We don't trust either ourselves or the other person that we can repair. So we, yeah. we uh, become rigid in our thinking, which is kind of what we're suffering with large scale in our country. Large
0: scale. Oh, absolutely. I, I, You know, I was talking with someone just not long ago about that very fact that, you know, we were talking about these small little things within relationships, within connections with individuals in our lives. And yet, oh, no, it's not just there. It's a it's from sea to shining sea. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, and and it's it's like on the one hand, it's really unfortunate. But at the same time, I've heard this phrase over and over and again. And I'm wondering if how you feel about this, what your thoughts are on this, I should say. And that is, I've heard it said that in spite of the discourse, discord, discord that's going on in this country, at least uh, in in some circles, in some quarters, at least we're talking about it. Mm hmm. And although there are some quarters where they're screaming and yelling across the line at one another, which is not talking, which is not communicating, but there are, at least we've started a conversation. That's the phrase. We've started a conversation. Is that one of the aspects of the power of discord that at least in some small way, at least we're beginning that conversation toward I don't know, at least an understanding.
1: Yeah, I think, right. It, it, I think we have to, um, it's all about relationships. So we're not going to listen to each other unless we have a relationship of, of trust with each other. Um, and so I do think in some segments of the population, um, without getting too specifically political, um, mm-hmm. groups of people with with different ideas are able to listen to each other. Um, I mean, I I actually, I will just use one example, which, um, if that's all right. Sure, uh, go ahead. You know, I've been really struck by the different roles, the different, uh, democratic, um, presidential candidates have played in the current, you know, in coming up to the election, that people who were very much at odds with each other because they were competing, um, have really now taken on roles of working together and each one of them has a different piece of the story and and, and they, they can then begin to listen, really listen to each other and help propel the whole society with hope forward in a healthy way.
0: You know, and and what's interesting is that um, The other side doesn't seem to have well they I know they do have a discord of some sort because there are some dissenters uh, as well on different subjects but that unfortunately thus far the two sides the Democrats and the Republicans whether you're talking to politicians or Uh, people who vote that way, who hold that ideology, they are not. They aren't realizing what's really important here, at least not yet. Maybe in the back of their minds they know that, well, what is best for the country? What is best for the citizenry? I've I've used this analogy many times uh, to to try to sort of ask the question, uh, and the analogy is, having to do with the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the Constitution's First Amendment tells us we have the freedom to do, I paraphrase here, and I take liberty, pretty much whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, to whomever we want. And that's not entirely true, but bear with me. Not entirely true, no. Then there's in the Declaration of Independence, it talks about, in order to form a more perfect government, To establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. So the question is, how do you, Mr. and Mrs. Individualist, First Amendmentist, how do you balance your right as an individual against Promoting the general welfare and securing the blessings to your children and your children's children, and that doesn't just apply to the current crises, the pandemic. I'm talking about whatever decision you make. Now, this is a serious discordant, uh, discordant chord, if you will. But you see, but that's my question: How does one? and this is individual, each person has to answer that question. How would you, Claudia, balance those two elements so as not to trample someone's First Amendment rights at the same time not trample the right of the rest of society to continue to survive?
1: Well, I'm going to say the same thing I've said a number of times, which is it's all about relationships. So... We only exist in context with other people. Um, so, uh, uh, one person, uh, one of those presidential candidates, said that you're right uh, to extend your arm ends at the point where it hits my face. Um, so, okay, um, but I, but I think that more central to the the idea of our book is that you looking at the way babies grow is they need, they learn to manage themselves in the world in relationship to other people. So, so we need to coexist. There needs to be a co-regulatory process. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's in the micro level how it is that you can kind of do what you want and, and also have it be part of the greater good because, because the, the relationships among people is what allows for our evolutionary success and growth. Um, and, and we need to have that. We need to have relationships. And in order to have relationships, we have to have that kind of give and take and that messiness.
0: Do you think that the process we're going through now and have been for, let's say, the last, I'm going to say 10 or 20 years. Mm-hmm is part of the evolutionary process because many people feel as though to use a scale, kind of like Carl Sagan did with the calendar and we're in the last uh, second of the last minute or whatever it is. Uh, Some people use the the analogy of uh, uh, the cave and that uh, some people think we're just on the outside of the threshold of the cave. But some people would say over the last 20 years, we're at the back wall of the cave again. Uh, Do you do what are your thoughts in terms of our evolutionary process? Not from a darwinian standpoint, but from a spiritual and intellectual and emotional standpoint Uh as human beings Uh, wow, you're asking me some big questions here Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: well, I think that you know, just sort of looking at our society here in the united states without speaking to the the world as as a whole which I, I could try to but I think that we are constantly evolving, and 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 the uh, American experiment is constantly growing and changing. And I think everyone would agree that for quite some time we've gotten some things kind of fundamentally wrong in terms of our acknowledgement of uh, you know centuries of systemic racism, uh, you know, things that uh, in it, 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 which um, were, uh, so we haven't really lived up to the ideal that was laid out in the constitution and, and that perhaps what we're seeing in these last decade is the turmoil and the upheaval in order to actually perhaps create a more equal society such as we've actually never seen in our world. So it could be that it is a, a, a a huge evolutionary leap that we're about to go through. Um, and we're in, you know, really in this right now, in this incredibly uncertain time, that's really so hard. Um, yeah. so, but, so we don't know, but I think that that is the sort of, that's the hope and that, uh, kind of having that hope of that vision, um, of growth, I think, I hope will get us through this very uncertain time that we're really literally in the next weeks, months.
0: Yeah. Now, uh, I said earlier that I'm a very optimistic person, glass half full kind of guy. And yet, there was a question that came to me some years ago um, about humanity. And the question was basically based upon man's behavior towards man, not just towards the planet and its animals and plants. Does man deserve to continue? Not let's annihilate man. No, no, no. Does man deserve to continue? No more babies. No more babies. When the last baby is born in at the end of 2020, that's it. No more. Because man has not behaved in such a way that he deserves to stay. Now, that was the pessimistic side. But hearing... You talk and having our conversation here, and and I've felt this way now for the last year or so, this is just part of the process we have to go through to get to the other side of what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, And one of my very early guests on this program, a a woman by the name of Barbara Marks Hubbard, a visionary, futurist, uh, very much involved in the uh, higher consciousness movement. Um, shared with me that, uh, think about it. She says, think about the woman who is giving birth to a, a baby. And certainly for the first nine months, it's it's not so bad. I mean, yeah, you've got all of the situations that develop over that period of time, but what's really rough, what's really rough is the birthing, okay? The child coming out through the vaginal canal and stretching and pulling and this and that and the pain and on and on and on she says that's what we're going through and then when the baby is finally out and the pain subsides and the crying is over what have you got a beautiful new human being and i hope as we're talking here that that's what we can look forward to is a new Human race being who we were meant to be in the first place.
1: Well, that's a, a lovely way of putting it, um, and I hope that's true. Yeah.
0: Is there some pessimism in in that? <laughs> in that. Respect? I mean, it's just
1: a it's a very striking. I, mean, I didn't really know where you were headed at first.
0: <laughs> Most people don't.
1: <laughs> I, was little, I was a little nervous, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Is I would say having had two children, I'm not sure that I would compare the experience I'm having now to the pain <laughs> of childbirth. Um, because it's that's a very physical thing. This is like a sort of overwhelming anxiety, and, and it's it's okay. a, it's, a, it's painful, but it's not exactly the same kind of pain. Although I was talking with a colleague of mine yesterday who. Um, supports a lot of women who have uh, fetal demise and uh, miscarry. And she, she made the analogy, this is just sort of riffing on what you said, that what we're experiencing now is kind of the horrific no man's land of, of being pregnant and you don't know whether or not the baby's gonna live. <laughs> um, and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to wait until you see. Wow. Um, so I, yeah, I thought that was very powerful.
0: It's very powerful. That is, that's an even better analogy than the one Barbara Marks Hubbard gave me. And hers <laughs> was good at the time. No, that's really good because I mean, you can, and you can use many others. I mean, I, I can also think of, uh, uh, um, building a building whether it's a high rise or, or a shanty, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, my wife and I right now, we're working on building a greenhouse, but we live on a hill. Well, that means that I've got to dig the dirt out and I've got to get it level and put down pavers before we could even start to lay the framework of this redwood greenhouse that we're going to grow vegetables and fruits and all of that good stuff in. Uh, And I got to tell you, as you and I are sitting here talking, uh, it was just yesterday that I was out there breaking up the dirt clods and raking and raking and turning the soil and moving it around and trying to get it level and on and on and on. And and again, I'm still in the early stages, but I'm sore. My body is sore, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of the fact that I took a nice warm shower. I took some some stuff to help to alleviate the pain. Uh, you know, there are some soreness in my muscles. Uh, and so, yeah, I think that. Uh, and and I you don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to get it built, or is a storm going to come along and we're going to have to delay and delay and delay? If we get it built, will the storm blow it away? I mean, is there going to be an earthquake? I mean, I've been hearing since the '70s that you know the big one's coming. The big one's coming, and I'm still waiting. And I lived in Phoenix, thinking, boy, when the big one comes, Arizona is going to have beachfront property. Oh boy! (laughs) (laughs) Claudia Gold is my guest. She's co-author of uh, uh, the Power of Discord. Um, What about? The, the the lessons of the past of history what have they shown you and taught taught you as far as this the discor- the power of discord uh, in terms of re- showing to people real concrete examples of where there was discord and then the aftermath?
1: Okay well I, I would say that in our book, we reference, um, it's not history, but uh, Stephen Hawking and the beginning of life. And that life really emerged out of error. So that uh, you know, macromolecules kind of uh, banged into each other and then some of them, uh, it, it worked and, and they survived in producing oxygen. And that that was the origin of, of life itself. And then also, if you you know fast forward a long time to Darwin and um, evolution, which is also a similar kind of process of of error and uh, going through different errors until you have uh, a successful adaptation. So so those aren't those are in science, not in mm-hmm. history, because I can't. Okay pull historical (laughs) references off the top of my head like some other people can but (laughs) i am more comfortable in the realm of science
0: okay well uh, and i'm gonna uh, i'm only gonna show throw throw one more construct of history uh let's take for example our civil war yeah horrible bloody uh, uh, annihilated i don't even know how many thousands Hundreds of thousands. I'm sure I know. I know if I had it in front of me, but we came out the other side of that, in one sense. But yet the issues still exist. The problems, the systemic racism, as you mentioned earlier, still exists. Uh, But I have to say, one of my observations of television and movies of late, okay, is that I have taken on a greater appreciation for people of color because i'm seeing more of them on television in movies in commercials and part of me says i'm glad that they're they're getting this exposure i think it's wonderful and i like that guy or that gal i I really enjoy listening to this person talking. Uh, in, in other words, it's, it's, it's almost as uh, maybe there's a certain element of oversaturation, but I don't care because we were oversaturated the other way for so long.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that that's the lesson is that, it. I, and I, I, I actually read this summer, very big book called uh, The Warmth of Other Suns. Um, about the migration of, of blacks from the south to the north and west from starting in the early 1900s. And I, you know I'm a pretty well educated person. I, I have to say the depth of my ignorance was just kind of horrifying to me yeah. um, and and I well, I feel better having begun to, to educate myself because um, I, I do think that there was so much, wrong done over such a long time. And talk about, uh, you know, in the book, we talk about intergenerational trauma, the intergenerational trauma of of racism, Um, going back to slavery. uh, We really need to, we can't just uh, go forward. We have to kind of undo what was done. You know, it's more than just having new, as. Another, you know, uh, one of the presidential candidates would say it's not that we have neutral policies. We have to have uh, fundamental change and action in order to undo some of what was done over all of that period of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's something I've talked about in regards to education quite often. Uh, regardless of who you're talking about. I mean, I'm a firm believer that everyone deserves an education. That doesn't necessarily mean everybody should go to college because not everybody's suited for college. I I went to junior college for three semesters, then I went to a, vo- a vocational school, and that is the extent of my formal education beyond 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And look at me today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for, for good or bad, look at me today. Um, And yet part of this program's focus is on giving people choices and knowledge of those choices. If you don't know that a choice exists to go a different direction or you don't know how to formulate in your mind how to go a different direction. And one of my philosophies is there's always a workaround. And sometimes two and three different ways of accomplishing the same thing. And unless you know how to process what's around you to do that, to come up with one or two or three other ways of doing things, then you're not going to. And you're going to kind of throw up your hands and say, eh, can't be done. And I joke with people because I hate saying no to someone who comes to me with a problem. Uh, with a a project they want done uh, and so forth. Uh, As a matter of fact, I still remember back in the um, early mid 80s and I was was supervised by another operations manager. I eventually took his job or I was given his job, I should say. But he came to me one day with a client who wanted to do something. And this is back in the day uh, when we uh, had turntables and um, we had what are called cartridges, similar to eight track tapes. Uh, we also had what's called a punch block, and it was a bunch of uh, we'll call them headphone jacks in two rows, and the top row was outputs, and the bottom row was inputs. And he wanted to know if we could do this, 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 and this. And I says, well, hang on a second, let me think. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the other thought was, wait a minute, why is he coming to me? He's the operations manager. He's supposed to know how this stuff works, but he's coming to me. And of course, I knew how it worked, and that's why. Even though, yes, every so often, even after 40 years of doing this stuff, I go to a, a chief engineer who is our chief engineer. I call him up and say, Hey, I want to do this. And I, I've formulated all of these different ways, but nothing so far has worked. Have you got any? In other words, I try my ideas first. Mm-hmm. Then I'll check with somebody else to say, What's your suggestion? And I've even, <laughs> he's even come back to me and said, You tried everything I was going to suggest. <laughs> Which is wonderful. But sometimes uh, we can't come up with those anyway. uh, But anyway, that's why I'm a firm believer in people getting educated to get out of the old way of doing things, you know? Um, But sometimes that's hard to get across to people. Uh, People want free education. That'd be great. But are you sure that that's the education you want? My wife is uh, dyslexic, she had a horrible time in school. And we even talk about her going back to maybe night school or something. And I say, okay, I am with you there. However, and I point out examples of her past history and lack of completion of things. Doesn't mean she is not. In, she's a very intelligent woman, very intelligent. But her focus. I don't know about you, but in science, don't you have to stay focused for long periods of time? You know.
1: General. Yeah, yeah,
0: Claudia Gold's my guest. We're talking about uh, the power of discord um, when we look at um, I, I Let me back that up. Let me back that question up. What is it that you are looking at? Specifically in the context of discord and what are you looking for? Maybe it's the same the same way of saying the two ways of saying the same question. What are you looking for in terms of finding the power, finding the lessons?
1: Well, again, it's really uh, the power of the repair. Okay. So it, the reason that discord has power is because of the repair. It's in the moments of repair that we grow. And if we don't have any opportunity for repair, then nothing changes. Um, So, for example, in situations where uh, a mother is severely depressed and that sort of typical messiness um, that goes on in moment-to-moment interaction is not characterized by repair, um, that will be difficult for a baby. And they will... uh, lots of different things can happen. They can need to sort of turn more inward uh, for self soothing so that they're less likely to, to form relationships with other people, or they can have trouble uh, keeping themselves organized. So uh, it's really the, the but in, in contrast, when you have a parent who is supported and um, and gets treatment, let's say for their depression and has a network and goes to a a parent group and has a partner who's there and can help them uh, to be more present with the baby, then the baby will have that typical messiness, but with the opportunity for repair. And that's where that kind of core sense of hopefulness, that sense of agency, that sort of strength of saying, I am, and I and resilience, really a resilience, a sense, a core sense of self and an ability to get through difficult moments comes from the repair of those inevitable mismatches.
0: So it's, it, it's the messiness, as you put it. Right. That, that's sort of the core focal point. Is, is it sort of like the statement uh, that when someone asks, I've heard this phrase used often, Someone asks a question and the wise man responds with The answer is in your question So in this case the solution so to speak is in the messiness,
1: right? Okay, the messiness gives you the opportunity for the repair
0: Hmm. Well I have, have uh, you know, the power you, you, you're also um, you also have another uh, uh, some other work that's available in terms of uh, uh, we learn to listen uh, l- the power of listening. Correct. Yeah. I, this is my fourth book. So I've written your, yeah. uh, one,
1: two for parents um, and one for professionals, but they are all centered around that core concept of the power of listening.
0: What would you say from your observation of um, some of the things maybe we've seen on the news? I, I would <laughs> I would throw in there the, the presidential and vice presidential debates, but I don't think they're very good examples. Um, what is the real key to uh, l- really, really listening and, and not coming back with, you know, Claudia, I hear you saying that blah 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 blah. Uh, w- what's what's the real core of? Do I want to say effective or meaningful listening to what other people are saying? Uh, sure. Well, so feel like it, they were. Yeah. They it feel like they key, were heard.
1: Yeah. There's a few key uh, pieces. I think one is uh, space and time. You know, people are uh, living kind of rushed, crazed, busy lives where things are coming at them all the time. So when there can be a, a protected environment uh, where that's really important for listening. Um, I think uh, a stance of curiosity, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where you're coming from, that uncertainty uh, is really key to effective listening. Um, being willing to, to misunderstand what someone's saying and, and ask them, you know, I, I'm not sure that I understand you. Can you tell me what, what you're saying uh, in some other way? Or, or I you know, ha- getting through a misunderstanding. Um, so I, I actually had an exchange on Twitter with someone about the difference between listening to understand versus listening to reply. And I said, actually, what you do is you listen to understand and your reply, you listen actually not to understand, but you listen to help the other person feel that they are understood because that's so important to our sense of self. And then whatever you say or do serves to communicate to that person that that they have been understood by you.
0: I was just going to stay uh, to 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 listen so that they get the sense that you understood doesn't necessarily mean that you understood which means that your response should rep- re- should be uh, phrased in such a way as to convey I'm sorry I I don't understand. Right so you should and be able to when you to say that. Yeah
1: you really you want you don't have to understand but the other person has to come away feeling that you are trying to connect with them even if you yeah, don't necessarily succeed all the
0: time. Yeah. Uh, and I find that uh, the radio and television echo chambers, I don't care, I don't care what, which ones they are. Uh, they don't care whether you understand. Whereas yeah. I'd like to think that with this program in particular, not exclusively, mind you, but in particular, I've, I've gotten my comeuppance on this program a few times in the sense that maybe not comeuppance isn't the right phrase, but where someone has shared something that made me basically respond. And the, the best analogy I came up with, they loved, and I, so I'll use it again. Well, there goes another one of my straw huts up in flames. And uh, I'm willing to set them all on fire for the sake of a better understanding of their concepts and their ideas, their philosophies than to hold to mine. Yeah. Uh, I shared with my eldest sister many, many years ago during Thanksgiving, wrong place to do this, by the way, let alone wrong time, in the kitchen where my mother was making dinner. uh, She was challenging me on my personal beliefs. And I said, well, sis, you know, my beliefs of yesterday are not my beliefs of today are not my beliefs of tomorrow because I'm still living and experiencing and growing and changing. I don't know what my beliefs of tomorrow are going to be, but they're going to be partly due to, in this case, my conversation with you, Claudia Gold, author of The Power of Discord. Um, And this aspect of listening. But what is it that, drew you into, I'm going to shift a little bit here, drew you into the aspects of, shall we say, in a general sense, child development. I mean, yes, you have two children, but my mother had six. She didn't go into that line of work. Well, what was it that was so intriguing to you that you? it was so important to you to go in this direction with your life?
1: Well, I went in this direction way before I had children. So, <laughs> right. Uh,
0: okay. Well, I exactly. Say, there you go. It,
1: it's more because I w- was a child. <laughs> And, and my mother was a child psychologist and well, that's a whole, that could be a whole show, but, um, you know, so I was always interested in understanding kids and and kids feeling heard and listened to. Um, and so I went into pediatrics because I was going to go into psychiatry at first and I'm glad I didn't do that, but I went into pediatrics because that's where it all starts. You know, you get to know families even before the baby is born. Um, and, it, you know, it's really an opportunity to, to listen to parents, to help kids to feel heard because you are listening, the parents themselves feel heard. So, uh, but I've, I found in my kind of, uh, I, did, I had very good training in pediatrics, uh, but very often um, when people were struggling, what, what the medical model teaches is to you know, categorize their, their behavior as symptoms and then diagnose and treat. And I found that that was really failing kids and families. So that's how I then educated myself in, in disciplines that the pediatricians are not generally, um, uh, availed of. Uh, and so then I really learned a whole new language, a whole new field of science, of developmental science. And then I began to apply that into my work as a pediatrician and then it became more specialized. And then I started writing books and that's where I am today.
0: Did, how, did, how did what you had learned up to the point of, let's just say, your first pregnancy, how did that, uh, did, it, did you, do you feel it adequately prepared you for being a mother caring for children Well, or it's would that have come to, anyway?
1: It's very hard to use me as an example because I, <laughs> I had my first child when I was in my 30s and I had already done, I'd already practiced pediatrics for a few years. So, okay. um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see how, I, I would say my experience as a mother has nothing to do with my professional, I mean, I guess I knew some things. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, I, I wouldn't really know how to in, in a few words connect those two
0: things okay all right because I, I I have to say that that uh, you know we don't we don't learn things for no reason at all obviously you had an interest I, I get that as far as what you were talking about earlier about your your mother and uh, and uh, that connection and so forth um, I, I actually was uh, very curious about psychology and the psychology of people and the different the different philosophies that are out Jungian and Freudian and so on and so forth. And, Mm -hmm. and went through personal growth and development programs. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're watching this one HBO special now called the vow. And there's a lot of discord going on there now because um, the intention of the founder supposedly is not quite as honest as it was in the beginning, maybe, but that's kind of happens with some of these organizations where you start out with good intentions and then hum- the human factor starts to, uh, starts to kick in. Um, but re- you, you know, you you talked earlier and we've discussed this uh, relationships are the real key to all of this uh, and how to formulate relationships, how to maintain relationships. Are there good ways and, and, in, a, in, in this context of discord, are there, uh, do I want to use the word good, ways of ending relationships to where you don't end up carrying that trauma or that baggage on with you into the next one? Is there a way to do it cleanly in terms of this concept of the power of discord and relationships?
1: Yeah, well, that's a very interesting question. So I guess you're saying uh in the situation where there really is no opportunity for repair um and you know that obviously that that happens quite often um and uh how to maintain some kind of sense of connection and and wholeness even though there is no opportunity for repair Um, so, yeah, that, that would be what you would strive for. Uh, how to achieve that? I mean, you have to be able to get into the messiness. And, but then again, people who split up often are not able to get into the messiness. So, it's a bit of a catch-22. Um, that probably the reason I- to split up is because you haven't been able to uh, do repair in your relationship.
0: And of course, we're not just talking about intimate relationships here. We're talking about friendships. Yes. Uh, people that I mean, you don't have the same friends today that you had in your childhood or your teen years, for, for various reasons. But sometimes people just drift apart. But in the case, let's say, of an intimate relationship, I've been through a sink. I've been through one divorce. I have no intention of going through another one. So I'm going to do everything I can to make this relationship work. And there are days for all of us when it's a little harder than it is other days. But I just keep reminding myself of why I'm here, you know, in the relationship and -hmm. why I got in the relationship in the first place Mm -hmm. and the things that we did. Now, maybe I should have thought about that before my first divorce, maybe. But um, I'm wondering about the mindset that one needs to be in to face the messiness, in order to get to the other to the other side, the the clean side, shall we say, or unmessy side.
1: Well, uh, I think one thing we do talk about in the power of discord is the need for uh, um, immersing yourself in a whole slew of different relationships. So um, it's much easier to be. Uh, in a relationship that's challenging when you yourself have other relationships that help you, whether they're even with your people who aren't even living, but let's say models in your mind of your relationships with your parents or, you know, those kinds of things help you to be able to navigate, uh, difficulties. Um, and if you're kind of alone and you don't have that kind of support network, whether it's with work or or activities that you enjoy, um, other family members, uh, you know, I think that makes it it more difficult. Um.
0: Okay. What about uh, in that respect, those people, I am very gregarious. I'm very outgoing and I can walk into a room and start making friends. My wife, not so much. Mm-hmm. Now, if we do go someplace where there are a lot of people, I have her close to me. And when I go up to someone and I introduce myself, I introduce her too because I want to bring her in. Mm-hmm. But she is more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, she would rather spend her time with our animals or any other animals than with a lot of people that are that are out there. So, so how do you how does one uh, sort of get over that kind of a hurdle where, yeah, I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. Claudia. I hear what you're saying, but I, that's not me. I, I'm not a real outgoing person. And I know I should have more friends mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering well, I, if- I would, would say really,
1: animals are, are, are relationships. They count.
0: Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Just, All right. Good, good.
1: Um, you know, I, I didn't mean to imply that you need to have a, a million friends, but I think, uh, experiences, uh, with other people or yeah, I mean, many people are find that kind of comfort in relationships with animals. Um, uh, so yeah, I think whatever works to help you feel calm and connected.
0: Thank you so much, Claudia Gold, author, co-author of The Power of Discord for joining us here on the program. And if I may ask you three final quick questions, because I know (laughs) you have to run off, uh, and then I'm going to let you go. And I really do appreciate you giving us as much time as you have. Uh, The first of the three is, who is Claudia Gold?
1: Uh, Who is Claudia Gold? Okay, quickly. I'm a pediatrician, and infant mental health specialist. Uh, mom
0: of two young adult children. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now?
1: I want to give uh, children a voice, and I think that uh, in in our world today, children are often not heard in in a very deeply problematic way. Um, and so, my hope is to use my work to support parents and children in being heard.
0: And finally, what is your life's purpose? Wow. Uh,
1: well, I, I think that would overlap with uh, the question I just answered.
0: Uh, that's
1: fine. First of all, to, uh, to bring my two beautiful children into the world who are doing extraordinary, wonderful things with their lives. <laughs> And, and then for all the families I work with, too, and, and children around the world to make sure that they feel uh, supported and recognized and heard.
0: Claudia Gold, thank you again for joining us. And I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.